0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, there's a song that comes up in my mind, and it says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And here we are, we can't meet together again. Uh, we're in lockdown 4.0 in Melbourne, and this is not a surprise. And we are used to these things now. And I uh, just came to the hall down here, and I thought I'm gonna just record the message. Because we do not want to fall behind of hearing God's word. I know a lot of people is taking this really tough. And my prayers is going out to you. And our prayers is going out to you. These things should not surprise a child of God. We are in the end times. We've said it so many times. And uh, you, were, you might hear me saying it again a few times today during this message. But I want to continue just in the Word of God and give you the Word of God. As you remember, a few uh, months ago now, or weeks ago now, we said that we're going to go back into the book of Revelation. And I want to start just preaching about the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And we started laying the foundation to come into these churches. Uh, Why is this important, you say? Well, we are in the end times and the day of the Lord is coming nearer. And we're going to learn from these churches and we're going to see in these churches that it is so accurate of our days that we are living in. And a lot of us, a lot of you, and a lot of people in the world ask the question, what is this world coming to? What is it coming to? Where is all of these things going to end? And, and many people, listen listen to me, many people sit in front of the television screens and that is where they get the information from to have some kind of hope for tomorrow. Well, I must say, if that is you, that you are finding your wisdom and your knowledge at the wrong place. There's only one place where you will find peace and rest and that is in the Word of God and the God of the Word. So, I want to continue looking at the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And today's topic, or the theme for the message today is, He is coming with clouds. And immediately, if I say that to you, and you've been studying the Scriptures for quite some time, it should take your mind back to the day when when Jesus, after He was risen from the grave, was standing with His disciples, And he said to them, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And right in front of their eyes, he was taken up, the Bible says, in clouds, up into the sky until they could not see him again. Now the Bible says that the same way that he's gone up into the clouds, he will come back and we will see that today. So I want us to then look into this passage That we are about to study. First of all I want to bring your attention back to to the passage that we touched on last week. You remember last week when we read in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is, who was and who is to come, the Almighty He repeats this four times through the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 22, 13, again later in the Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And this particular title, if you want to call it, or an explanation of the title of Jesus, he uses himself. We. We find Jesus, when He was walking with His disciples on the earth, that He calls Himself, more than any other title, the Son of Man. We also know the Bible calls Him the Son of God. But here, when He appears to John and gives Him the revelation, He uses this phrase he says i am the alpha and the omega that means the beginning and the end in the in the uh, greek alphabet the alpha is the beginning letter and the omega is the is the last one and i want you to get this idea that everything about jesus christ is within the alphabet think about this if you can take all the letters of the alphabet and you can put them together in different sequences to form words and expressions and sentences. If you used the alphabet and you, and you put all of these different sequences together, it makes up for thousands, if not millions of words. Jesus says to you and to me today, I am the beginning of the alphabet and the, the, the uh, end of the alphabet. And everything that falls in between the beginning and the end now this is the unifying thought of the bible if you ask me give me one phrase that will encapsulate the whole bible then I will say to you this verse where Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. From Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to the very last verse in the Bible, He's that beginning, He's that end, and He's everything in between. And last week you remember that I said that, and we went look looked to the passages that uh, showed that the whole Bible is written about Jesus. The Old Testament is the shadow of the substance whom is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So this is the unifying thought of the whole Bible. This is the platform where the Old Testament and the New Testament comes together and it's everything captured in Jesus Christ he is in other words brother and sister the volume of the book it's all about him you say why do you start like that preacher It's because you will find as we go to the next verse and the verses that this is really important to understand and to know revelation chapter 1 verse 1 he starts off by writing this is john he says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Now, the first thing that grabbed my mind when I read through these scripture verses is that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, You need to look at this in two ways. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're going to read through the whole revelation, you will see everywhere between the pages is Jesus Christ. Uh, When John cried and he says, who's worthy to take the lamb, uh, the roll and open the seals? It was the lamb. He's portrayed as the lamb. We will see him in different, different facets right through the book of Revelation as we saw that right through the Bible. So it is the revelation of Jesus, but not only of Jesus, it's the revelation about Jesus. So you need to understand when he says the revelation of Jesus. And by the way, it's not revelations. I hear so many times, maybe in ignorance, some preachers preach about the revelations. It's one revelation that Jesus Christ gave his servant John. You see, he's doing the revealing here. And not only is he doing the revealing, he's revealing the object, which is him. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now, I want you to focus on the following words there in that verse. He says, Things which must, take sh- uh, which must shortly take place. Things. And I I said to you last week, everything that's happening in the world is things. Yes, we're going to read in the Revelation as we continue about things that's going to happen upon the the earth. Things that's going to happen to Israel. Things that's going to happen to the the, the unbelievers. Things that's going to happen to the church. Today you and I are operating in things. You know, we're in a lockdown because of things, a virus that got out of control, which, by the way, I believe was manufactured in a laboratory, and it was leaked out, and these are all things. But now when we go and we bring it into context, we see that uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which He gave His servant and show His servants, things which must shortly take place. This is the things which is going to happen from now in the church age until the rapture, until the seven-year tribulation that's coming on to the earth. Now, when he says shortly, it must shortly take place, he uses the Greek word there, tachai. Now, tachai means quickly or suddenly coming to pass. And and why do I bring this out? Because, you know, if you talk to the people, and some Christians even, and you talk to them about the coming of the Lord, they would say to you, well, you know a preacher, I was in church when I was a young teenager, and the pastors were preaching about this coming, and it's not coming. It's now 10 years, it's 20 years, it's 30 years. You know, and and if I go back and I YouTube some of the old preachers who preached 50 or 60 years ago... Guess what? They were preaching about the coming of the Lord. So surely when he says things which must shortly take place, this is outdated now. The book of Revelation is outdated. Well, if you believe that, my friend, you are but operating in folly and in in ignorance. I'll give that to you. The word shortly here means that when it's going to start happening, It's going to happen quickly one after the other. Short spaces of time. There's no time to catch your breath even when it starts to happen. Now we've got a little bit of a taste of that, don't we? If you think about the current coronavirus, 2019, October. Uh, in, In September, me and my wife was in America. We were in uh, we went to Las Vegas, we went to Sacramento, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San, San, San Antonio, San Jose, um, Santa Barbara. We went all these places and, uh, and now when I look back and I see there's a whole year when all of a sudden we came into October, November, we heard about a virus in, uh, in China and then November, December, January, February, March, we're all locked down. It happened so quickly. If that can happen with a virus, which is carried over by people crossing the globe, how quickly could these things happen with God who just says a word? So why am I pressing on this point? Just for the fact that you need to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And we will see that today as we continue. Now he says in verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let it be known that uh, John sits on the Isle of Patmos, and we're going to touch on that a little bit next week. But he sits there for two reasons. Not because they didn't like him as a man, he was an old man by now. No, no, he sat there because he bore the witness of the word of God in him. You and I, if you call yourself a true child of God, and we study the Scriptures, we study the Word, the more the Word goes into us, the more the Word changes us from the inside out, the more our habits change, the more we're against things which is against the Word of God. And my dear friend, what happens at this point in time, you will be bearing the witness of the Word of God in you, and you will be persecuted for that. Here is the evidence. Secondly, the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is why he was persecuted. And we'll touch a little bit on it more next time. But let's continue. I've got so much to share with you. And we're just going to take it verse by verse. And once we get to the letters, we're going to compare them to the kingdom parables in Matthew 13. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads... And who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. This is a warning. My friends, he says the time is near. You and I need to heed this warning. But this is, this is the only book in the Bible that I could find which gives a blessing to the, hear, to the person who reads it and who hears it. This is a blessing. Some people take revelation out of their Bibles, and how do they do that? They never open there because it's a difficult book. It's not. It's a blessed book. And and he it says it's Blessed are those who read it. You need to read the book of Revelation. You'll get a blessing from God. I've preached through revelation, the Book of Revelation so many times, and I still receive, even now preaching it, I receive such a blessing. Uh, And you will know why, because I know that God's in control. But also when I preach it and I can look over the audience, and as you open up and as as the Holy Spirit reveals more to the people through the reading of of the prophecy and through the teaching of the prophecy, I can see the blessing of God coming into their hearts. It's marvelous. And those things which are written in it for the time is... Near now let's get into the meaty part of this. I can't wait to show you a few things out of the next few verses. Revelation 1:4 John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from Him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood, and was made us kings and priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is so much in this passage here. So much that you and I can take on board. If we look first of all to these words here, grace and peace. You see he says to the seven churches, grace and peace. Now let me tell you, I've studied the Bible so many times. Peace only comes after the grace of God. What is grace? Grace is getting something you did not deserve. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace you were saved through faith, that not of yourself. For it's not works that you've done that made you to be saved. It's the grace of God. So grace comes first. And after grace comes, peace comes. You can say that grace represents a standing. What standing? That is the standing before the holiest of all. In the holiest of all, grace brought us into the presence of God. That is our standing. It's fascinating for me sometimes how young people or some people will come and they say, we take heaven by, you know, with boldness. No, no, no. I take, I go into heaven with grace. Grace, grace, grace marvelous grace which was bestowed upon me grace gives me the standing to stand before the creator of the universe now what is peace then then peace represents the experience that i receive from that grace that he's given me never forget that grace and peace if you do not have peace in your life come to the grace of christ come to the grace of god Now I love it when he says that. But I want to come now to the next part here because there's so many people who have struggled with this over the years and it's so so simple if I can use that term. And that is the seven spirits that he talks about here. You see, when John says, he says to the seven churches, grace and peace comes to you. Him who is, who was, and who is that. We all know that. Present, past, uh, uh, past, present, and future. He that's now is he, is he really meaning there's seven spirits? I only know of, of one spirit, the Holy Spirit. So who's these seven spirits? Well, there is not seven spirits. There is one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. But this Spirit, you will see, has got seven characteristics which is shown to us. Seven is a complete number. This shows us the completeness of the Holy Spirit. But you say to me, prove it through the Word of God. Of course I can, because Scripture interprets Scripture. So we go now to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. And here we read about this Holy Spirit, which came upon Jesus. We know that when he was baptized, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And what came upon him? If you think about Jesus's life, before the baptism, his ministry did not start. So let me just say, those stories in books that says that you know one day Jesus was walking as this boy and he saw this bird who died and he touched the bird and the bird became healed—that is blasphemy. It did not happen. You can burn those books. No, no. His ministry started when he was baptized. What happened when he got baptized? When he got baptized, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him. And it it empowered him for ministry. Brother and sister, when you get born again, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that talks here about the seven spirits, come into your life and lives within you. Do you understand what's coming inside of you? I'm going to show that to you now. Listen, young man, young woman who wants to go into ministry, let me tell you one thing. You can't just turn up and say, I'm going to start a job and this job's going to be my ministry and the ministry is my job, it's my vocation. It doesn't work like that. You need the power from above and that power comes through the Holy Spirit and you will see it now. Now when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and and came into Him and when the Spirit comes into us, the characteristics of the Spirit is then being displayed through our lives. So let's read. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1, They shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. This talks about Jesus. And the bronze, all of these things you can see is capital letters, rod, capital letter, Jesse. And then he says the bronze, capital letter, shall grow out of its roots. Now look at this now carefully. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of God. I want this. I don't want to go too fast here because I just feel in my spirit that some of you is hearing something now for the first time in your lives. And to understand the Holy Spirit of God, how powerful He is, and coming and living inside of you. Count with me now. Listen. Spirits in front of the throne, or, or the grace and the peace that came through the seven spirits. Look at this now. He says, the Spirit of the Lord. That's number one. This spirit is not any other spirit in the world. You know, when you, when you watch a, a sport event, and you listen to the commentators, they will say, There's such a lovely spirit here. Yeah. When you go into other places and people has got peace and everything, oh, there's such a spirit in this place. Yeah. But those spirits is not the spirit of God. If I want a spirit, I want the spirit of God. The first characteristic of this Holy Spirit is it's the spirit of God. When He comes and lives inside of you, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. That's first of all which you need to understand. Then He says, the Spirit of wisdom. I've known so many people when I look over their lives, when they come to the Lord and the Spirit comes into them, they start operating in wisdom. Not man wisdom, godly wisdom. You can look at young people even, when you look at them and you say that they are mature beyond their years after they Christ and the Spirit of God comes in them and they've got the Spirit of wisdom and he says you can actually pray to God wisdom it comes through the Holy Spirit that's number two number three the Spirit of understanding now again so many times when I read the Bible and I read the Bible some people come to me and say I can't see it preacher I just can't get it. I can't understand it. I hear the words, I read the words, but I can't understand it. And you're right. You're not telling a lie. You need the Spirit of God, the Spirit of understanding, and then the Spirit of counsel. Uh, There's only one counsel, and that's godly counsel. The Spirit of might. The Spirit of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord. Let me just say about the fear of the Lord. You can't fear something if you don't know it properly. You can't fear it. If I uh, if I bring a, a lion into this place and I didn't give it food for seven days and he's so hungry, a lion I know to stay away from that lion. Why? Because I know about that lion. I've got knowledge about the lion, and I know he's hadn't had that food. And at that point in time, I look. To that lion, through his eyes, he looks at me and he sees food. He doesn't see a friend. He doesn't see an, a nice guy. He sees food. Now, I fear that lion and I won't come into the same room. But if I get you from outer space and you've never in your life seen a lion, you've never heard of a lion when you grew up, you didn't see the books and mummy and daddy tell you about lions, you didn't visit the, the, the zoo and saw the lions, And you didn't know that lions eat meat. You come out of outer space. You've got no knowledge of this animal. You will walk into this room. Why? Because you're curious. You'll walk over to him and you'll go, kitty, kitty, kitty. And the next moment your arm will be gone. At that moment you will have fear for that animal. Because you know he can hurt you. Now what am I saying? When the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, what happens? He comes inside of us and... And at that point in time, we understand God, we know Him, and we need know Him with a reference. So the seven spirits is not seven spirits. It's seven characters. It's the fullness number of the Spirit of God. It's one Spirit. He comes upon you and lives upon us. Now he says he's going to write it to the seven churches in Asia. He starts off in Ephesus. and then And, and I want you to think about this. When he wrote this, he wrote it in a big parchment, you know, a letter. And then he's going to give a messenger. And these little messengers, is going to run or they're going to get on a donkey and they're going to travel from up to Ephesus. He was in Pathmos, which wasn't even close to Ephesus. Then he's going to come to Ephesus. They're going to read the whole revelation to the church. And then they're going to go up to Smyrna. In Smyrma, read the whole revelation to the church, up to the top to Pergamum, and then come, and go, come back in that circle, Tythira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, the most inner part, and then back to Ephesus, if they wanted to go back to that location. Now, I want to continue on now, because we come to our theme. And he said, Even so, Amen. This is a really interesting passage for me. Now, it's not talking here about the rapture, and I believe in the rapture, and I'll talk to you about the rapture now. He's talking here about the second coming of the Lord. He says here, note these words here, every eye will see him. That is a giveaway. When you talk about this coming, you need to understand. Every eye will see him. And then it says, even those who pierced him, who are they? It's the Jews. His own people pierced him. They gave him over to the Romans to be killed. So they will see him. And the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. So I say it's the second coming. Let me read to you about the second coming. Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Notice just quickly. His robe was dipped in blood. You see it in verse 13. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God this is Jesus Christ when he comes back at the end of the seven year tribulation I'll show it on the timeline coming back for the battle of Armageddon, and his rope is dipped in blood read on verse 14 and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen who's that that's us I'll show you how we're going to get there. But we are the armies in heaven. We are clothed in fine linen. It's not the angels. The angels you know we read in the Bible about the angels clothed in fine linen. White and clean. When you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, He washes you white as snow. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 18, he says, Though our sins were like scarlet and red as crimson, he will wash as white as snow. He will give you a new rope of righteousness. Now we are clean. We have got clean robes. Look, white and clean followed him on white horses. I just want to throw it in here. We are coming with him as his armies, but we are not going to partake in the battle. He's—he's he's is the only rope that is dipped in blood. He's is the only rope that is... Blood, uh, uh, he doesn't need the armies of heaven to fight his battle. The battle of Armageddon is not going to be you and me on a horse and a sword and we're going to fight everything. No, we are going to be witnesses to what he's going to do. He's going to fight them with the Word of God. He, we are, we've got fine linen and white and white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Talks about the thousand year reign. He himself treads the winepress in fairness of wrath and of the Almighty. And he has on his rope and on his tie a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. So this is the second coming. And when John writes here in Revelation chapter one verse seven, and he says, "We've called," he's coming with clouds. He's talking about the second coming. The rapture has already taken place. Let me tell you about the rapture. It's called Harpacho. And I want you to see the differences now. Remember when I said every eye will see him? This is talking about his second coming. Those who pierced him, they will they will cry, they will weep. I'm going to show that to you now in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 famously to the church in Thessalonians I want you to be ignorant brethren chapter 4 13 concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who hope for the Lord Archangel trumpet of God who will come? I want you to notice this. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of the Lord. You don't read this when John writes in Revelation 1, 7 about it. He doesn't hear about the trumpet. You don't hear about the trumpet at that one. He says with a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. The word here in Latin is arpazzo. Harpazo means to be, or in Greek is harpazo, it means to be snatched away. We who are alive will be snatched away. There is a direction we go. Meet Him in the clouds. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with this. This is a comforting message. Why Paul wrote this to them is because again they were Backed off the Arpanic. And they came to Paul and they wrote to him and said, Paul, you were talking about the Lord's going to come. Died and people around saying, You see, that's not Paul. And he says that. There's a trumpet here. There's not armies coming with him here. I don't read anything here about that. So, this is a different event. Need to understand that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51, he says the same thing. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means die. We shall be changed. Arpatsu. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, you there's the trumpet again, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. now look at this again. Every eye will see him when he's coming in the clouds. John says in Revelation one verse seven, and every eye will see him. When he hears to him. But what happens, brothers and sisters 1 Thessalonians five twenty-one. but concerning the times and seizing brethren you have no need that I should write to you perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night the day of the Lord here is towards the rapture He's going to come to receive us unto His own. He made a promise about it in John fourteen. He said, "I go away, but not to stay. I prepare a place for you, and then when I'm coming back to receive you unto myself, it's a different event." Now let's go back to Revelation chapter one, verse seven. You see, there's so much in these verses. He see, "He's coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him." We saw now that with the rapture, it's a secret. That what will happen is. A lot of people will from the planet. And the news will grab on. If you, even movies now, the world is anticipating this. They are already spreading about Christians who's going to just disappear. Even now when I talk about this, they're crazy. You're off your brain. if it was any grain, in every grain of my body, different events. But I want you to look at this one, because this is another interesting one. He says, even they who pierced him, they will see him. And we find a very interesting prophecy in the book of Zechariah, just pointing towards this. In Zechariah 12, verse 10, he says, and I will pour out the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Stop there for a minute. I'm praying for the salvation of Israel, and that's coming. I know my prayer is going to be answered because it says it right there. He will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. There is grace. Remember when we started in Revelation, grace and peace. What grace is that? For by grace you have been saved, through faith that in of yourself. It's a gift of God. And supplication, they will come, they will come a revival in Jerusalem. When will that happen? When He comes. Then they will look on me, whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for Him as one who mourns for His only Son, and grieve for Him as one who grieves for the firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Haratrimon in the plain of Megiddo. So he comes at the second coming my dear friends even israel is gonna they're gonna weep they're gonna cry because they will realize it was who came and they did not receive him unto themselves and there will be a revival in in under the Jews and in Jerusalem now let's finish today with a time map a timeline that I've put up here And we're going to work on this timeline in the next few months. We're going to work through this timeline. Obviously, Jesus Christ came and He died on the cross. He was risen from the grave. He ascended on high and He's there. And now we find ourselves uh, today, today, preaching about it in the book of Revelation when John is on the Isle of Patmos and the revelation was given to him about the churches. No, no, about Jesus Christ to the churches So he sends a message to the seven churches in Asia and we're going to unpack these seven one by one, compare them to the kingdom parables in Matthew 13 and then after the church age, this is also called the dispensation of grace of God, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2, but it's also called the church age, it's this time from the cross until the rapture takes place, that's the church age. If we read in the book of Revelation, this part here happens up until chapter 3. The end of chapter 3, I'm going to show you when we get there. We will find in chapter 4, the church goes up. You do not read about the church of God on the earth here. You read about the apostate church, the fallen church, the evil church. You read about them in this time. But there's a time of tribulation that's going to happen here. And as you've seen now, these are two separate events. At this event, the trumpet of the Lord will shout, the dead will rise first. Jesus will come on, on, in, the, on, in the air. He will receive us unto Him. We will go up into heaven, and the, the supper of the marriage of the Lamb will take place in that time in heaven. And then on the earth, there will absolutely be destruction going on. When the wrath of God has been poured out, the seven bowls, the seven trumpets, you will hear all about that. And then in Revelation 19 we find the second coming. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. That's what John is talking about. And the Jews will see him and they will cry their eyes out. They will come to to, to repentance. They will come to salvation. There will be a, 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 a big revival in Jerusalem. And then there will be a thousand year reign when Jesus Christ himself will come and sit as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know that's been a lot that I've said in a short space of time, but the advantage is you you can pause the video, listen again, rewind. Now, brother and sister, before I go, I realize when I recorded in the hall, I didn't realize the light is a dim kind of light. Uh, I do have lighting which can lighten this up, hopefully. This is the only Sunday that we have to record, and next Sunday we are back in some kind of capacity. If not, I will be back here next Sunday. I will have brighter lights, and you can see me a little bit, but it's not about me to see me perfectly. It's to, to see the board. So let's pray and continue on. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is sharper than to its sword, its living. And Father, thank you for this revelation that you've given us today. Help us, Lord, encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen.